You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, a few listeners reached out to wish me well on my sabbatical or to ask what I plan to do with my free time. First, please be assured that I will not be eating ice cream. Second, as my oldest Palestinian cousin Tina said while doing manual labor at St. Elizabeth, I'll sleep when I'm dead. In her honor, let's make good use of the time, because the days are definitely evil. Teaching is about conveying facts from the text, not your ideas about the text, let alone your institutional narratives. On a personal level, you want to talk about the narrative or narrative context because you want to give yourself importance. On an institutional level, if you take just five minutes to stop gossiping about or psychoanalyzing each other, you'll discover that your obsession with narrative is all about the Benjamins. You fund the Tower of Babel. Thus, it is utterly disgusting. And that, Father Paul explains this week, is the price we are paying in so-called Judeo-Christianism. Just watch TikTok, Habibi. Thankfully, the God of Scripture is not mocked in his syntax. What is written cannot be undone for those who have ears. The canonical syntax of the original consonantal Hebrew text is a fact unless you want to go back and dream about your facts while sleeping with the New York Times. Sleep well. Make-believe stories, even the scary ones, are for children. Lexicography, on the other hand, is the transmission of facts. Facts are common and accessible to all. They stare back at you from the page, just like canonical syntax. As Father Paul has said for decades, biblical Semitic consonants are situated on the scroll like the organs of your body. No NATO narratives are required. So before launching into the exciting developments I mentioned last week, Father Paul will spend some time explaining once and for all why the syntax of the Hebrew canon and not the Septuagint is our canonical reference for word study in the biblical text. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays.
Obviously, I'm going to share my take on the matter with you. People have their own theories. You have even extreme theories, which obviously I do not endorse. That Torah was produced in Alexandria on the basis of the teaching of Plato in the Republic. Here we go for Plato. I mean, my problem with this theory is that content-wise, it doesn't fit. And it took me over one year, but at the end, I prevailed with the Professor Gregory Downer. So, I'm not bad after all. I think B- minus would be a good grade for me, that somehow it doesn't fit because it is speaking against institutions. Um, and this is how I proceed. And Blaise Webster picked this up in his review of Professor Abushar's book, where the reference is the textual story, and that's all you have. You don't have outside references. And you have to do your best to figure out why and how and where these writings came about. And that is the price we are paying in so-called Judeo-Christianism that is patterned after Herod and the Sadducees. Pharisees are not that bad as we like to present them especially the Orthodox, they hit on the Pharisees, but they say the Sadducees were priests, and you know, in Orthodoxy, priests are really good people and necessary and so on. But that is the trouble. You have this combination of temple and king. You could see that the story of the actual Herod and the actual Sadducees reflects a position which is against the grain of scripture that criticized the king and priesthood. I can only suggest to you, friends, so I'm asking you to listen carefully to what I'm saying, and the decision is yours. But your handicap, and I want you to realize that, because to say, well, I heard Father Paul and it's a good idea, I agree with him. You cannot agree with me because in your mind, the reference is the canon of the Septuagint. Open any Bible. Like I have the program. Even when I open, because it has the same system, you click only on the different language. Even the Hebrew is put along the Septuagint canon. And that is something that is practically to my mind, even if you beg me and kiss my hand and go on your knees and we really got you, Father Paul, I don't trust you. It's impossible. Because you were trained and you are still training the people in Sunday school to speak about the four major prophets 
And the 12 minor prophets, notice, notice the words we use. Major prophets and minor prophets. That becomes silly if he endorses my teaching in my latest book, that the axis of scripture is Genesis, Jonah, Matthew. Now, Jonah is very short. He's a so-called minor prophet. In the prophets, you don't have minor and major. A prophet is a prophet, period. You are either a prophet or a non-prophet, which is anti-prophet or pseudo-prophet, as we hear in the Gospels. But you cannot be a big prophet and a small prophet. Your reaction is, we got you, Father. You cannot get me, my friend, because your holy church uses the term bishop, archbishop, deacon, archdeacon, subdeacon, priest, archpriest. You are used to hierarchy. That's why you are under the boot of the institution. And we are fooled. Like the bishop decides, they send a message to a deacon. Well, we are going to make him archdeacon. And then he said, Axios. And everybody says, Axios. You know that, Fred. So, our mind is taken by that. You have subdeacon and archdeacon and deacon. The English is English and the French is English. The poor Arabs, because they are stuck with the Greek. The subdeacon is called in Arabic. We write it down, Ipodiakon. So we transliterate the Greek word and we write it in Arabic, which is so ridiculous because we don't do that with the priest. And there is something you have to realize when you're listening to me. You cannot perceive what I'm saying through the mind you have. Here I sound like the Apostle Paul in his letters. He tells the people, you're not bad, but what he means is that you are very bad. Erickson, when people would say, you know, the Philippians were the most beloved people for Paul because he really told them, you are very good. And then Erickson, with a nice smile of his, the Viking who became Orthodox, he would say, well, my friends, this could mean that you've been doing well until now, and I want you to be better. Coming back to my hearing scripture, as you have noticed, here again, this is my stand. You can do whatever you want with it, but don't use 
innate scholar against me, but the others say something else. I know that, my friend. I was around and I started teaching before you were born. I know that. But I'm still saying to you, since you're asking me the question, that the canon, and here, for instance, Professor Abu Sha'ar does not agree with it, and I respect him. You know, he has a different view. That's fine with me. And you should read his book. I'm saying to you, not only the structure of the books are intended, the structure of the canon as intended. Review my latest book where I point out that Jeremiah and Ezekiel are at the center of the Hebrew scripture, meaning the Hebrew canon. Which you don't have in the Septuagint. Another thing in the Septuagint, you are used to speak about Daniel as the fourth major prophet. And please, don't tell me no. Even if you say, ah, I got it, but your mind will always function this way. Because you were shaped that way. And I want you to be rid of that shape of yours. If you want to hear what I'm saying, it doesn't mean that you have to agree. All I'm saying, the first step for you before agreeing with me is to understand what I'm saying. And I'm telling you to your face that I don't trust that you understand what I'm saying when the reference in your mind is different. For me, that is sacrosanct. Actually, when I discussed Jonah, I noticed, I mean, you cannot be right in the middle because you have 12 prophets, but he is somewhere in the middle. And I believe this is intentional. You may disagree with me. That's up to you. But you cannot disagree with me regarding Jeremiah and Ezekiel that are this diptych of two prophets, one from Jerusalem, the other from the exile, speaking the same thing. The first one is to the fathers of Jerusalem, the other one to their children who are in exile. And you recall how I say that's the only explanation why Ezekiel, followed by Paul later, is nasty to people who have been punished. Human beings don't talk like that. Do you do that in your parish? Why? Because Ezekiel, father of scripture, according to me, said to the exiles, you are here because your father sinned. Remember Psalm 78, the first verses. And that's no excuse for a prophet, but I'm in deep shit because my parents were bad. God says, okay, I do not disagree with you that your parents are shit. I am the one who told you your parents are shit. Now, through Ezekiel, I'm saying to you, You stick with the idolatry of your fathers, you will stay in Babylon. 
Have you ever heard any priest, Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, Pentecostal, and so on, saying these things from the pulpit? Say it in a loud voice to this younger generation. No, because they cannot afford it. And by the same token, they are not channeling the teaching of the Bible. In the so-called, let's call it the Hebrew can, and you have it in Luke, law, prophets, and psalms will get why psalms is chosen for me. It's because it's the first book of the Ketubim in the Hebrew canon. Later, we're going to retouch this matter by reminding you when you open your Bible, the first book of the Ketubim is Job, followed by psalms. Is it a big deal? Yes, for me, it is a big deal. And we'll get to that. For the time being, when you hear Nabi'im, you have interestingly, I know many of you know it, those who don't will hear it for the first time, the others it will be to stress an important point. The so-called historical books, notice how we refer to them, even, even in all the seminaries. If I ask you, Samuel and Kings, uh, immediately your reaction mentally is, oh, you mean the historical books. Well, in the Hebrew canon, we do not actually, the Nebiim are split into the prior prophets, Han-Nebiim Harishonim, which is Joshua, Judges, Samuel and Kings, notice the number four. So notice, the so-called historical books in Hebrew are not history, they are prophetic books. But if the children ask, how is that possible? Ask them, what was Samuel? People know that he was really prophet. And then, as I've mentioned in my books, you have an actual reference in these books, especially Kings, about Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jonah. I wrote that in my latest book. You have a reference to names. So these are the prior or the earlier, I prefer prior, you know. And the other one, the latter with double T, which is Hanabiim Tatasaronim, the ones that come after. And these are four, notice you, four and four, very important. Later we have the four Gospels. So that is the reflection of the universalism. How is that possible? Ask any scholar, even an ethos scholar, would tell you, and this was actually taken 
also by the Septuagint that refer to the so-called 12 minor prophets as the book of the 12. It's one in 12 sections. And I would like you to ponder these technicalities. Notice, I'm not theologizing. I'm just conveying to you the technicalities. And thus, you have very early to start teaching that Daniel is not the fourth major prophet. Actually, and I'll get back to that. Daniel is never referred to as a prophet. The only one he's referred to as a prophet is Jeremiah, because Daniel, he says in the book, he bases his teaching on the prophecy of Jeremiah, remember the 70 years and so and so. And these things, friends, have to become functional in your mind before you open your mouth. Don't think that if you're taking notes, you can say these things next Sunday. You have to digest this. You may not quote me on that. Because if someone asks a question, you cannot tell them, well, let me call Father Paul. You have yourself. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.